So we're doing this series, Move, right now. If you just join us for the first time this morning, um, we'll, we'll kind of catch you up here, but you've not, uh, this, this will be a standalone message this morning under the, uh, the title of this, this idea of Move. So I'll tell you in a second what that means, but right before I get to that, I'm going to take you right back to my teenage years when I was 15 years old. So I'm not sure if this happens um, in high school here in America, um, but when I was 15, we had this thing where we took a week and we did what was called work experience. So all of us in my grade, we, we did this assessment, and uh, you go through and answer all these questions, and it tells you what you are uh, created to do. Basically, this is who you are, and this is the job you should do. And then the school would partner with businesses and organizations, and it would send us off for a week to experience um, maybe the, the career that this assessment felt like we should do. So um, I still, to this day, don't remember taking the assessment, but I do remember that apparently the result of my assessment was that I was called to to be in hotel management. Yes. So I apologize this morning that you've ended up with me here because really I should be at the sleep in down the road. But um, that, that's where I was <laughs> slated to go, hotel management. So um, I, uh, I was very fortunate. There was some connection with the school with a very posh hotel up in London called the Grosvenor House Hotel. So my week of work experience I discover is that I'm going to be at the Grosvenor House Hotel. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. So I get there day one. I'm, I can't wait because I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're as excited as I am to find out that I've, I'm gifted in hotel management. They're like, we need you, sir. Come right in. You're in charge. But um, strangely enough, at 15, they felt that I needed to learn all aspects of uh, hotel life. So they sent me to the kitchen. And for day one and two, literally all I did was polished silverware. I spent the whole day in the Grosvenor House Hotel, this very posh hotel in London, polishing silverware. It was awesome. I mean, every, every minute of the day, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I mean, it was really working well, this whole work experience thing. But day three, they actually allowed me into the, the cafe area. There was this really kind of posh, swanky cafe area. Uh, this wasn't the main restaurant. This was just where people came for like a, an afternoon snack or afternoon tea. And uh, day three, I was allowed to bust the tables. So I went to tables of these very rich um, people from all around the world, and I cleaned their tables. Day four, day four, they said, Dave, we're going to let you take some orders and serve at some of these tables. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I am almost in charge of this hotel. I'm working my way through the ranks here so quick. So uh, no real training. They gave me a notepad and a pen and said, just ask people what they want. I think the menu was somewhat limited, so they figured he can't do too much harm. So I remember things were going well, and then I go up to this table, and I'm 15 years old, and sat at this table, these two young American girls, very cute American girls. So already I'm a little bit on edge, kind of college-age students. I'm sure they're very wealthy family. They're off doing something, and they're just downstairs uh, stopping for a drink, and I took their order. Hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> Very nervous, but uh, they both wanted a Coke. So this particular restaurant sold bottles of Coke. Uh, so I went back there, I got two glasses with ice, two bottles of Coke. I came back kind of a little bit nervous. Uh, take off one glass, set it before one young lady, take off the other glass, set it before the other young lady. Now no one had taught me anything about carrying this tray, so as I lifted the next bottle of Coke, any of you who have ever worked in a restaurant will know that um, you, you set the tray up in a certain way, because I didn't realize this, but my Cokes were equally balancing out my tray. So as I lifted one, straight away, the tray went like this. So fortunately, my reflexes are very good, so I very quickly <laughs> did this. 
But apparently it's the worst thing you can do when you have a bottle of Coke on a tray because what happened was I literally flicked the bottle up and over and into the lap of one of these young ladies, open end up. So she's like, whoa, jumping up, Coke coming out. It was, it was a nightmare. They were both very polite. They're like, it's okay, it's okay. But I know they were really mad at me. So um, that was the last customer I served in that restaurant. And let's just say that on Friday, the silverware was really shiny yet again. But I'm glad, I'm glad that at that moment I didn't decide, you know what, I am giving up on serving. This serving thing is not for me. Because uh, at 15 years old, it was going to be about three, four years later that I was going to discover a, a wonderful relationship with Jesus. I, uh, I became a follower of Jesus about 18, 19 years old. It turned my life around. And, and very quickly, if you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, you'll know that as you live to follow him, as your life uh, wants to emulate the example that he set out for us, you'll know that serving is a huge part of being a follower of Jesus. Serving is a huge part of being a follower of Jesus. You see, I discovered when I, when I found Jesus that in this me-first culture, that we live in, Jesus calls us to live our lives of others first. So we're surrounded by people who live for me first, and suddenly Jesus is saying, but we should live others first. In fact, he didn't just teach this, he demonstrated this. You might remember there was a very famous situation that occurred right before um, Jesus' crucifixion when he was having dinner with his disciples, and before they even started to eat, he decides to wash their feet. He washed the feet of the disciples. Now, this was significant for several reasons. Number one, this was someone else's job. This was the job of a servant, okay? So what Jesus was doing, this was the servant's job. It wasn't like he just had a good idea and no one had ever done this. When it came to washing feet, this was the job of the servant. Number two, okay, so number one, this was the servant's job. Number two, he was a leader, if there was anyone in that room that shouldn't have had to wash feet, it was Jesus. This wasn't the beginning of his time with the disciples. He was kind of an intern or he was on work experience. No, this was three years in. Jesus was a rabbi. People would meet him in the streets and say, Master, come see my daughter. Master, come, come here. He was the Mark Zuckerberg, the Bill Gates of Jerusalem at the time, okay? People would have had a, an immense amount of respect for this, this huge leader that he was in the community. So not only is he doing the job of a servant, he's a leader himself. Here's the third most crazy thing about the situation. One of the people whose feet he washed that day was Judas Iscariot. He was washing the feet of his enemy, of a man who would go out and betray him. So this wasn't even something he did just to those that he loved. He did this no matter who they were because he wants to emulate this idea of service to his disciples. He knew that they were um, headed out to start churches of their own. Once Jesus died and rose again, the, the future of the church kind of rested on the shoulders of the disciples and he wants to make sure that the DNA of servanthood, of serving one another, was planted so firmly in them that every church, every follower of Jesus from then on would understand that to be a follower of Jesus means not just to uh, be waste upon, but to serve other people. You know, Pope Francis, he's the current pope, the head of the Catholic Church. 
popes over the years, they've had this, um, uh, this routine, let's say, that uh, the, the day before Easter, they call it a Holy Thursday, uh, they'll choose to do a feet washing ceremony. And, and the current pope has been quite controversial because not only has he continued on in this practice, but he's actually um, found himself washing the feet of immigrants in a refugee camp some of whom were Muslims, of women. He even went to a prison one time and washed the feet of prisoners. But he himself explains it this way. He's talking of Jesus. He says, he came into this world to serve, to serve us. He came to make himself a slave for us, to give his life for us, and to love us to the end. He understood, he understands that this is something I do because Jesus modeled it to me. That's why we serve. So not only has Jesus set this example, but then um, the gospel writers in the New Testament, they continue on with this teaching. Paul talks about the idea of not just how we serve, but um, the gifts with which we've been given to serve. He's writing to a church in Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So not only are we created to serve one another, God has created us in Christ Jesus to serve, to do these good works, which he's prepared in advance before us. God's not only given you some gifts with which you can serve others, he's got an idea of how he wants you to use those gifts. He's actually got a plan for your life that only you can fill. A plan that only you can fulfill. And I believe this with all my heart. Some of you this morning are followers of Jesus. He has a plan for your life that only you can fulfill. I think there are some of you here this morning who have yet to make that decision. You're not sure where you stand on this yet. You're still kind of checking things out. I still believe, even if you've not made a decision to follow Jesus with all of your heart, I still believe he has a plan for your life that only you can fulfill. I heard one speaker say it this way one time. He said, there is a book that only you can write. There is a painting that only you can paint. Or in my case, there is a soccer game that only I can announce. I don't know if you knew this, but I am the announcer for the uh, high school soccer game. And uh, it's kind of humbling at times to know that when we're talking about the gifts that God has given you, my gift apparently is the way I say garage or brilliant after someone scores a goal. That's, that's kind of where my gifts, my gifts are being used. You know, Paul continues to talk about this idea of these gifts that we have. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Just in case there are some of you this morning saying, Well, you know, I know what you're saying, Dave. I know that some people are gifted, but I, I just don't really think I am. I'm, I'm not sure what my... Listen... Each one of us has a special gift. Every one of you. This morning, God has given you, through the generosity of Christ, a special gift. Peter, one of the disciples who was very close to Jesus, he went on to write a letter himself. It was 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in 1 Peter 4.10, he says this. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve there's that word again. Use them well to serve one another. So Peter's adding to Paul's statement there, isn't he? Saying that God's given us these gifts, but he's reminding us why he's given them, to, to serve one another. 
So this is a great little Bible study we've had here this morning talking about the idea of serving and gifts and, and this kind of thing. But some of you may be kind of looking at that, that slide we had up earlier that said move, thinking, well, what's this got to do with move? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. So, so this, this series, Move, the whole idea behind it is that uh, when we were putting it together, we felt that God was kind of bringing us as a church to a place where there are many of us who, who maybe we're at a place in our lives right now, and we'd like to move. We, we feel that where we're at right now is good, but actually God's got something else for us. Maybe we've stayed in this place too long, and it's time to move to somewhere else. And I'm not talking necessarily about a physical move, although for some of you, it could be that God's talking to you physically about a move, a change that needs to take place in your life with a career or a relationship or, or a house, who knows what. But I'm talking more about the idea of the spiritual aspects of your life. Have you found yourself in the same place for a long time, and now maybe God's stirring in your heart? It's time to move. It's time to move to a different place than I am right now. So how does that tie in with this whole idea of, of serving? Well, funnily enough, the, the original title for this series was going to be Get in the Game. We sat down, the leadership team, the creative team, myself, we sat down and we had this idea of this title called Get in the Game. And the reason we came up with this title is because we kind of pictured the, the, the scenario, you know, you've got people who sit in the bleachers and you've got people who play the game. And, and maybe here at Connect, there are some people who have sat in bleachers for a while and it's time to kind of challenge them to, to get in the game. And as we were talking about it, we, we had this idea, you could have this video to open up and it could be somebody playing a game, you know, like soccer, something like that. And we could show this, this character in the video, you know, getting better and better. And then finally, they're in the game. And then we got to and said, well, that would look great, but what about other people who maybe aren't into sports? What about the musicians? You know, what about the parents in the room? And, and we kind of, the video grew to the video that you saw this morning with the idea that maybe it's a musical gift, maybe it's time with your family, maybe it's a sports, whatever it may be, but every one of us can stay where we are or we can choose to move to do whatever it takes to get in the game. Well, the more we talked about it, we realized that move was kind of the common thing. So we said, well, let's not call it get in the game, let's call it move. But the idea behind that, that title of Get in the Game, was we were aware that there, were, there are some here at Connect who call Connect their church home, who maybe they've been coming on a regular basis, they enjoy the service, they, 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 they'll come and they'll sit for an hour and they'll leave, but, but maybe they're kind of still in that kind of bleacher phase of Connect. They've not really taken that next step to, to get involved, to get involved somehow, to get in the game. Now, don't get me wrong. You may be here for the very first Sunday this morning. This message isn't for you. Maybe you've just kind of started coming to Connect. You've only been here a few weeks. Please don't feel any, any pressure from this message at all. But some of you, if you've been coming to Connect for a long time and you've yet to kind of find a place to get involved, then maybe this is the way God's challenging you this morning. Maybe this is what God's saying to you. You want to move. It may be time for you to get in the game. You want to see some movement take place. You may need to get in the game. There's a pastor of a church up in um, Chicago. His name is Bill Hybels. I came across this phrase of his this week when he was talking about the idea of um, getting involved in church. He says, you can't build a God-honoring church with a congregation full of consumers. When people extend themselves beyond their own concerns, their hearts always change. What does it take to move? Well, when we step in, when we get involved, when we move from being a consumer to a participator, their hearts always change. Here's the crazy thing. I think some of you have been listening to these messages over the last couple of weeks, and you've thought, yeah, I'd love to move. I, I get it, Dave. I, I want to move. I'd love to see some things change in my life. But you never realized 
that to see those changes happen, you're actually going to have to move. There is going to be some movement needing to take place. Bill Hybels goes on to, to talk about this in a book he wrote called The Volunteer Revolution. Listen to this. If this doesn't challenge you, I don't know what will. He says, every local churchgoer has a choice to make. He can park in his usual spot, make his way to a comfortable seat in his usual row, watch a good service, chat with friends, and then go home. That choice makes for a nice, safe Sunday morning experience. Or he can throw himself into the adventure by rolling up his sleeves, joining a team of like-minded servants, and helping to build the local church that God has called him to be a part of. You know, we are incredibly blessed here at Connect to have um, literally hundreds of people throughout the week and on a Sunday, rotating through on a week, off a week, serving at a very high capacity. And if we had time to go and talk to every one of them, I think every one of them, in one way or another, would tell you how that impacts their life, how, how serving in some way, how using those gifts that God has given them has actually helped them move from where they were to where they are right now. It's a wonderful thing to see happen. In fact, from this day forward, we're going to start using a, a phrase a lot more around here. You're going to hear us talk about Team Connect. Team Connect, these are the people that make this happen. And the reason we call them Team Connect is because there are so many different people in so many different areas in Connect Kids and the worship team and hospitality. That the danger might be that, that they might look at each other and see that one is more important than the other. But the reality is every single person that is a part of Team Connect are a part of making this church what it is. It's amazing. In fact, to give you just a little glimpse of, of the people that make up Team Connect, I want you to check out this video. The great thing about Connect Church is that Connect Church is not a building, it's not a destination, it's actually a group of people. It's a group of people who make up Connect. And every week this group gather and uh, it's great to see all these people who call Connect Church their church home. But amongst this group of people, there's, there's this wonderful team, in fact we call them Team Connect. And these people, they're the ones who, over and above just being here for an hour on a Sunday morning, they actually contribute in some way. They serve in some way on a Sunday or throughout the week to make Connect Church possible. I'm always so amazed at the wonderful group of volunteers that we have here. You know, if you arrive at a service on a Sunday morning, there are people who have already been there for a couple of hours who have spent time setting up the auditorium and setting up the kids area, unpacking the trailer and getting everything ready for that service. There's another team who, at the end of the second service, they'll tear that all down again. They'll, they'll pack it all up and turn this back into a, a school gymnasium again. During the service on a Sunday morning, there are dozens of amazing volunteers who are working in the kids' department working with babies and preschoolers and K through fifth graders, just sitting with them and sharing the love of Jesus and telling these, these kids just how special they are and how God's got an amazing plan for their lives. Team Connect is made up of some amazing, talented volunteers in the creative department. We are so fortunate to have some wonderful musicians and singers, some very talented creative people who help with our lights and our sound and our projectors and everything that goes into making a, a Sunday morning service happen. And then, you know, when, when people arrive for the very first time, 
I love that we've got this great team of folks on our hospitality team. They're the ones who are in the parking lot smiling and waving as people arrive, who may be shaking hands as someone shows up for the very first time, serving them a cup of coffee or a donut, just creating that wonderful welcoming environment as people arrive at Connect on a Sunday morning. So many people make up Team Connect and we are so thankful for all of them because every one of them plays a small part in helping to connect our community to Christ. You know, that, that line that Peter wrote, we're going to read again here. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I loved seeing the variety of all the people there serving in different capacities. You know, sometimes you could look on and say, well, you know, I'm part of the setup team. I get here early and I, I just, you know, set up the stage. I'm not sure if uh, what I do is as important as what the team do with the guitars and the, the instruments. You know, they're really... And, and the danger can be sometimes that we, we look at our gifts and we measure them against other people and say, well, what I do isn't as important as what they do. Do you know, if you're a part of the volunteers, if you're a part of Team Connect that make up uh, the setup team, hospitality, I want to just share this with you that I came across this week. I came across a book written by um, a couple of authors, Nelson Searcy and Jennifer Dykes Henson. Their book's called Fusion. It just talks about um, churches and, and people coming to churches, especially people who um, maybe weren't familiar with church, didn't grow up in church. And they say this. They say in this book that the first seven minutes of contact with your church, within the first seven minutes of contact with your church, your first-time guests will know whether or not they are coming back. Within the first seven minutes... Of that first. So this morning, if you smiled and gave someone a donut, if you shook a hand, if you, if you were part of the team that helped put all this together, you've helped someone in those first seven minutes make a decision. You know, as a church, we want to reach people who don't know Jesus. And for some, walking into a church, even if it's in a middle school, can be a little intimidating for the very first time. I want to create an environment and atmosphere where that person might come back a second time and a third time. And a fourth time. And then throughout that, that continual showing up, we'll discover that God has a wonderful plan for their lives. That Jesus died for them because he loves them so much. That they would say, Jesus, I need you to be a part of my life. They would turn their lives around. That he would impact their marriage, their family, their lives, their careers, their, their eternity. All because in those first seven minutes, some wonderful people created an environment that allowed that person to come back again. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to get practical here to close out just like we did last week, okay? So if you were here last week, we paused at the end of the message. We brought the lights up, and people, last week we talked about small groups. People had a chance to sign up, and we had a lot of people sign up for small groups. That's fantastic. This morning, you're going to get a chance to sign up and say, I'm interested in learning more. Did you catch that phrase? Okay, because on the sign up, all you're saying is you're interested in learning more, we're not going to pounce on you if you happen to check the box that says preschool by accident. You're aiming for coffee and you hit preschool and now you're changing diapers for the rest of your life. You're like, I remember the day I missed the button and it's, this is just, this is just to learn more. It's not a legally binding contract. In fact, I'm going to go one step further for you because I believe so much in the difference it can make in people's lives by finding a place to serve 
I'm going to go one step further. We're going to have a, a kind of a commitment that we're going to give to you. So here's the commitment. If you do sign up for one of these areas this morning and someone contacts you and they say, hey, why don't you come along and check it out? Come meet us at seven and, and help us set up one week, see what you think. Stay late one Sunday to help us tear down. Come, come check out the nursery and see if this is something you'd like to do. Here's the commitment we're going to make to you. Come once and check it out. No strings attached. And after that first serve, I want you to be able to ask these four questions. Did it feel meaningful? Was my emotional energy higher or lower afterward? Did I enjoy serving others? Can I realistically fit this into my schedule? If you come once and try it out and you find that after um, looking through these questions, you're actually able to say yes to all of these questions, that we may have found a place for you to serve. If no, we can let you try somewhere else or we can let you, but, but we don't want you to feel like, man, I've come once now, I guess I'm stuck here forever. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pause. The lights are going to come back up here in just a second and a um, uh, couple of ways of doing it both cell phone related, so if you don't have a smartphone, you can stop by the connect point on the way out. There is uh, some paper there with the details, but uh, if you do have a smartphone, you can text the word TEAM, so text TEAM to 309-889-9005. If you do that, you'll get a text straight back with a form that you can just take a second here to fill out. You could even... Just bypass that. If you have the Connect Church app, you can go straight to the app and click on Connect Team, and you can, uh, uh, the same form will come. And all it is is saying, yeah, I'm interested in learning more about these areas to serve. So let's get some lights up. Let's get some music playing, and we'll do that here real quick. Yeah. Listen, that um, number is available all day long, so you can text that anytime today. If you need to read through that a little bit more, you can click on that button on the app anytime today. But there's one verse I want to read just before we close. It's in Ephesians, and, and Paul's already written to the church in Ephesus saying that you, um, you have these gifts that God wants to see used to serve others. But you know, in that letter, Paul also writes to the leaders of the church. He says this, he says, he's talking to the leaders, and he says, now these are gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. So this is directed now to that group of people, the, the leadership of the church. That's kind of what I am right now. He's writing to these people, and he says, their responsibility, so my responsibility, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. As I read that, I realize, wow, one of my responsibilities as the leader in the church is to help you find that gift that God has given you, to help you discover that unique thing and to provide an opportunity here at Connects for you to maybe put that gift to use, whether it's a smile at the door, carrying one of these pieces of stage blocks in your bare hands. We've got some people that can lift these things up, just one person. You're like, that's your gift. I can't do that. That's why you are on the setup team. You know, there's a pastor of a church in Fellowship Church in Hawaii. He says, we don't ask if you will serve. We ask where will you serve? And I love that idea. This message this morning, it wasn't about me needing more help or asking for a show of hands. This was about me feeling the call of God to help you discover what it might just take to help you move from where you are right now to where God wants you to be. So let's pray together, shall we? Father... Thank you so much that Connect is made up of so many amazing men and women and young people and teenagers and kids, Lord. And 
God, I, I love the idea. I love the fact. We talk about this a lot. The Connect Church isn't the building. It isn't the location. Connect Church is the people. That there are people in this community who are impacted on a daily basis by Connect Church because they are friends or neighbors or relatives of people that call Connect their church home. The truth is, Lord, there are a few of us here on staff, but the reality is that what happens on a Sunday, what happens through the week, is largely due to the fact that there are some wonderful people who we call Team Connect, who work hard and make all this happen, but who do this because you've given them these wonderful gifts and they're able to use those gifts to serve one another. So God, if there are some here this morning who've been looking for a way to move in their life, this may be it. Give them the courage to step out, to check a box and say, I want to get involved because I think this could be the next step in my move journey. Help us have a great day and a great week. In Jesus' name, amen.